Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now, the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Hello, Leaders of Learning. Welcome back for episode 22 of the Leader of Learning podcast. I once again have an exciting episode to bring you today and interesting topics about mentorship and professional growth and how those two intersect and collide with each other. When I first reached out to my guest in this episode, Brian Costello, it was mostly to highlight him, his writing, and a new book that he has coming out soon. But the conversation really transformed into something much more. And I loved what he had to share about these ideas of mentorship and professional growth and what he's been able to find out from talking with and interviewing lots of teachers along the journey that they've taken, regardless of where they're at in their careers, and how all this applies to them. I will tell you that when I first interviewed Brian, he thought that his book would be coming out in June, but as it turns out, the release date got moved up, and now the book will actually be published on May 14th, which is two weeks from the release date of this episode. This episode will be out Monday, April 30th, and Brian's new book, The Teacher's Journey, will be published on Monday, May 14th. So go ahead and give this interview a listen, and I hope that you will consider pre-ordering and purchasing Brian's new book. All right, Brian Costello joins me as a guest on this episode. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great. Dad. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Yeah, no problem. For uh, the listeners' sake, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Uh, so I'm Brian Costello. Uh, I have the incredibly fancy title of Digital Innovation Specialist, which basically means I have a hybrid role of um, working with kids in technology and working with teachers to infuse technology into their, uh, into their curriculum uh, down in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, so down the very bottom of New Jersey. Uh, and yeah, I, I love to write. I love to, uh, love to take things apart and, and play with technology and, and really give kids a chance to play with it as well and get a chance to see the things that you know, are, are coming out that are, that are new and exciting uh, in technology. That's cool. And actually, I, I do. I, I like that title. I don't know if you like it or if uh, you, you have a better one, but I, I thought that was kind of cool, actually. Digital Innovation. Yeah, it's a it's it's a fun title to say, and then people look at you like, "What is it that you do?" Yeah, <laughs> so, what, what do you do? What would you say? Um, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I've I've uh, now talked to at least a, a few guests on the show where um, people have had similar titles, but they're all called different things, from you know tech coach to technology integration specialist and there's there are lots of different terms yeah absolutely and i like the one of the things i like about the role that i have is that i do work so the focus of my work is with kids so while i do work a lot with teachers and trying to help them get comfortable with and integrate the technology on their own 
the focus of my work, the real, the meat and potatoes is working with kids. Uh, well, let's, let's dive right into some, uh, some stuff here. Now I, I will, I know you mentioned that you were an author and you kind of glanced over that quickly. I'm going to get back to that in a little bit because I find that to be really fascinating about you. But um, what I wanted to start with is when we connected about setting up this interview and having you come on and be a guest on the show, um, one of the topics or actually two topics that you said you would uh, love to talk about are mentoring and professional growth. And so um, I, I guess I wanted to start there and, and have you talk about those. Uh, you could you could tackle both or, or one at a time, but I find those to be really, really intriguing topics that um, haven't really been talked about too, too much uh, on in any of the episodes on the show so far. So um, what can you tell us about those areas of education? And so the question, just you asking the question, the smile comes to my face because I, just, I love talking about uh, talking about mentoring education and and mentoring for professional growth, and I don't think the two of those two, those two things can really be separated. Uh, so what I've noticed uh, about education is that we have this weird conception of mentoring that you get to the point where uh, you are past your first year, you get into you know your your teaching career a little bit, and you don't think that you need a mentor anymore you, until you plan on like maybe changing jobs or until you plan on becoming an administrator or something like that. You never really hear people talk about mentors or mentoring and how it can have a major impact on your growth and what you do uh, and how you become better. So, you know, one of the things I have started really dug in and taken a look at is uh, what does mentoring really look like in education and um, not necessarily the the cookie cutter, you know, here's your assigned mentor and here's this checklist of things. Um, one of the things that, that I'll say over and over again is if you are doing something that involves a checklist, um, you're, you're not mentoring, right? Like if you're, if what you're doing needs a checklist, that's not what mentoring is. So yeah, I developed my, my understanding of mentoring. I, I went outside of education because I think that other places do it better. Uh, oh, so, that's interesting. What, uh, like, for example, what's another field maybe that uh, that uses mentoring and, and does it well? So, uh, a friend of mine uh, is a retired uh, lieutenant colonel in the uh, for the armed forces, and he's the one who really turned me on to the army's idea of mentoring. Uh, and I had the opportunity to speak to a couple people who studied army mentoring, uh, who work uh, one of whom works at um, uh, West Point as a professor. And one of the things that strikes me most and that I really am attracted to about the army model of mentoring is that um, it's not um, a static relationship. It's not a one way, this is the person who you go to for help type of thing. It's these are people that I know around me that have experiences that I don't. Whether those experiences are related to implementing a new program or making a life change or... Uh, you know, anything that's not a basic, just a skill. You know, it's not about um, how do I use Google Classroom. It's about I'm having difficulty working with or connecting with these parents or these students who are not fitting well. You've been through an experience like this, and I'm going to draw on those experiences so that I can learn and get better. And in the, in the Army, those relationships aren't assigned. Uh, you know, they're built on mutual trust and respect. And so rather than, you know, in, in education, we just kind of, um, you know, thrust those relationships upon people and say, here you go. Uh, but we should be taking this upon ourselves to really build the relationships on our own. 
Uh, and I think that's one of the things that draws people to uh, their professional learning networks. They're, um, they're, I don't really like the word tribe, but they're, they're people, you know, the people. That so let, me, uh, Go ahead. let me yeah. stop you right there. Cause I love, I love what you're saying and what probably what you're about to say. And, and, and maybe I'm answering for you and don't let me do that. But um, here, here's a follow-up question. And it actually, I, I preface this by saying that recently I was, uh, I was actually giving a webinar and I, well, I was co-hosting a webinar and uh, the, I don't want to. I don't want to throw her under the bus. But the woman I was doing this webinar with um, had a different. Let's just say a different viewpoint. The, the webinar was about um, supports for coaches and instructional coaches, and we had really different ideas. I think about what supports really are, and and she was very. Uh, quote unquote, old school or by the book when it comes to this idea of mentoring and support. And, and I was kind of a little bit different. I came at it from a different angle. And, and part of my philosophy, I guess, was kind of leading back to what you were just saying, where you seek out mentorship, not necessarily in a real formal way, but maybe even, you know, virtually, like you and I speak a lot in groups on Voxer or, you know, through so- social media and, and extending your your learning network, like you're saying, outside of your own building. Um, so I guess, like, do you agree with that? Or are you more old school? Or you think that support slash mentoring can happen in, in that way, how formal do you think it needs to be? Um, well, I think that mentoring needs to happen naturally. And one of the things that I'll, I'll say to people is that you can make yourself available for others to become their mentor, but you can't select yourself as someone else's mentor. That's the job of the person who needs the mentoring. They're the ones who are in control of this because they need to be comfortable coming to you with things that are important. Uh, so if you look at the traditional mentoring roles where you're going to like a department head or you're going to a um, an administrative superior, there are things about that relationship that undermine the level of trust that you can have. So that when you need to talk to someone about, um, I'm not saying you can't have those levels of trust with those people. I'm saying that the relationships tend to be set up in such a way that they don't lend themselves to quality mentoring experiences. So you really want to be aware. You really want to be aware of who is out there that has the experiences that you need. And do you trust that person? Do you respect that person? Um, would you sit down and have dinner with that person? And one of the most wonderful, the most amazing things about a, a quality mentoring relationship is that when the difference in experience has ceased, when you have been through the things you have you were seeking out mentorship for the relationship doesn't end. You just become friends. You know, like you're just people who are are friends together now. The leader of learning podcast is a proud member of the education podcast network, the education podcast network podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. The leader of learning podcast is also a proud member of voice ed radio changing the way you talk about education. To listen to more great education content, please visit voiceed.ca. So I, I love the point you made about how, uh, you know, mentorship really is is sought by uh, the person who is, uh, who is being mentored, let's say, and, and it's difficult at best when a mentor is assigned to someone. I really love that point. Um, or when you have to pay them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> Which is true. a common problem so, in education. 
here's another question I have about that. You know, we're talking about professional growth and mentoring and um, I've, I've always been for at least, well, a while anyway, a, a big fan of growth mindset. I've written about it. I'm, I'm studying it. Like, so when I think about that, I think about some of the discussions I've had with people when it comes to growth mindset is, and, and I'm wondering what your take on it is uh, when we talk about mentoring, does quality mentoring or I guess, generally speaking, professional growth, does that have to happen when a classroom teacher or an educator on any level recognizes that there's a flaw in them, that there's something that they need to change? Is that what triggers it or is it something else or do you not need that? What do you think? Uh, and this is, um, I think this is a really interesting question and it's something that I've spent a lot of time writing about recently in that your career path, your kind of general arc of your career, um, you go through phases in which you're going to need somebody who's been through those things before. And recognizing those things and seeking that out is something that makes not only makes you more successful, but also makes the process that you're about to go through, I don't necessarily, maybe not more enjoyable, but more manageable, more um, less overbearing. Uh, one of the things that always strikes me about um, it, about the profession that we, we have is is how isolating it can be. And so you start your you start you know you close the door on the first day in your classroom. And I've talked to you know dozens of teachers about this. I'm like, what was it like when you close the door on the first day of your classroom? And it ranges from I was terrified to I was relieved that I finally got a job to I was awful. <laughs> and I feel like for all of us, it's somewhere in between that kind of a mix. And I think in our careers, we go through these these arcs. And at the beginning, it's very, it's going so fast, right? And it's almost as if you can't, you won't know, like you don't know what it's like for it to be going slower. Uh, you don't see it going slower. And it does start to slow down. And I think for those of us who, who really love the profession and continue to love the profession over time, one of the things that We'll see you see in common with people is that they um, they go through shifts. So once they get past that that racing pace of the first couple of years, they move into a period where they start to find what they love about teaching and they find what they value. Um, and one of the things important during that period is to learn how to say no and to learn to things that aren't important to you and to start collecting the people who are good around you, who you know you value the same things and, and you can work on the same things. And with those people, you start to build. Uh, and then I think, again, you go through a shift when you're ready to start to give back. That's something I'm really big on is giving back to others in the profession, which is why I think I'm drawn to mentoring uh, but and professional growth through mentoring, because there's this myth out there that we make ourselves and we're these, these self-created people because we worked hard and we're really smart and we tried really hard and we did all this great stuff and we're great because we made ourselves great. And it's a load of crap, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, there's some truth to the fact that yes, your hard work matters and that, that all that matters. But the other fact is there are always these good people along the way that make it possible, right? So without those good people in our lives that make our success possible, and whether they be people in your direct field or the people in your, your family or your friends who support you during the times when things aren't going well, uh, those people are the people who are there to make your life a better place and, and make it possible for you to do the great things you do. And so I see that that change in the career path um, where you go from, I have no idea what I'm doing and this is all going so fast to, I think I kind of understand this and 
I, I really love this about teaching or I really love that about teaching and how can I make it better to having a firm understanding of how to make shifts and changes and starting to give back to, to your profession. And those are all just um, different parts of the puzzle where you want people who have been there before. All right. So you, uh, you've started to talk about this, and I feel like it, it's only natural now that I mention that uh, if you're not already aware, Brian has another book, I should say, coming out because uh, you're already a published author, but uh, another book coming out later this spring called The Teacher's Journey. Do you know when that'll be out yet? Um, targeted date right now is June 4th. There's, you know, there's a lot of things to happen between now and then, but you know, I have, uh, I'm working with great people and it's, uh, I don't see any reason why we won't make that happen. So June 4th, we're looking so, to get that. Okay. That so yeah, June down. 4th and, uh, the teacher's journey and w- just quickly talk about kind of what that's about. And, and I'm intrigued. I know you, you've talked about this already, you know, sort of like the phases, uh, that teachers go to, is that something that you kind of figured out through your research and interviewing people or, or really what did you gather while you were uh, conducting the interviews and, and doing that research for the book or, you know, were there trends or patterns that you picked up on? Uh, yeah, that was one of the most interesting things. And, and as I've um, started to talk to more and more teachers uh, through podcasting, which uh, I got inspired to do from, from listening to your podcast. Uh, oh, thank was, you. I appreciate yeah, that. Um, was that there are so many common themes uh, and so one of the biggest themes in this story, in, in this book, is that that we all have our own individual paths. So everything that we do um, is unique to our own journey. But there are, for, for all of us who go through all these things, there are so many commonalities in those paths. So the teacher's journey is uh, a look at education through the lens of um, one of my educational I don't want to say heroes, but someone I really looked up to as a kid when I learned about in high school, um, a guy named Joseph Campbell, who was a mythologist. And what he did is he studied all these different myths from all around the world. And he realized that they're all the same, like all the mythological stories from all over the world. They're all the same. Not that they're exactly the same. They have their own idiosyncrasies that fit the culture. So each one resonates with a different person, with a different group. But the main key themes, the, the, the characters, their trials and tribulations, they all follow a similar path. And, and by interviewing teachers and by talking to them and then being really reflective about the things that happened in my own journey. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of me in the book, um, things that went really poorly, things that could have gone really poorly and somehow managed not to. Uh, but through those different phases of my career where I thought I was going to be awesome. And then I got there and I wasn't. And then, uh, you know, and then I I kind of thought I had it figured out and thinking I had it figured out kind of made me think I knew what I was doing until I realized I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, you know, each time I made a jump from part, different parts of my career, I, I realized that I did a lot of that by myself. And so I don't want other people to hold those feelings. Uh, I want people to know that there's someone out there, that there are people out there who um, who have been through what you've been through. And while your story might be unique, the similarities in their stories are enough to, to know that you're not alone, right? You're not, we're not alone in this. We have people we can reach out to that when things are dire, when things are stressful, when things are going rushing past you at the speed of light, right? you've got people who can help you through it. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's such a cool message, and and I think it's such a cool project. And uh, you know, congratulations and and good luck with it. I, I can't wait for it to come out. And and for those of you listening, please definitely check out the teacher's journey uh, either on June fourth or around there. Stay tuned, and of course, uh, information on Brian and his publications or soon to be publications will be in the show notes. Uh, we mentioned the teacher's journey, the book soon to come out in uh, within the next couple of months. There's the Teacher's Journey, the podcast that we touched upon. Uh, and then quickly before we wrap up, if you could, Brian, just you know, touch, touch on the other, the other books you have. I know we didn't really get to talk about them too much because they're not necessarily um, you know, teacher-related, but they are educational, so to speak. And uh, you know, talk about them and then how could people reach out to you and connect with you on social media and all that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things I always wanted to do was write a book, and I wanted to write a book for kids. So I wrote uh, a book called Will McGill and the Magic Hat. Uh, and then rewrote it and sat on it for a number of years until I learned the magic of self-publishing. Uh, children's books are incredibly hard to get published. Uh, I tried several times and failed, but once I found out I could publish it myself, it was a really awesome experience, a really incredible thing to have kids reading the book, the the story that you wrote. Then I wrote another one, uh, which is Will McGill and the Costume Calamity. Uh, I have an incredible illustrator. His name is Billy Nicosia, and the, the, it's a uh, it's a chapter book. So there's only a handful of pictures, but the pictures are so wonderful. Those books are on Amazon and pretty much everywhere else. Um, so you can see, you can find me uh, on Twitter at, at btcostello05. Uh, you can catch up with things that I'm up to. Uh, see the, my blog my podcast and any updates on the book at theteachersjourney.net. Well, awesome, man. Again, he is Brian Costello. A great conversation. I really enjoyed this and uh, that talk about mentoring and all that. I feel like we could have gone on forever, but uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. I did write a whole um, book about it, so I could probably That's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to pick up the book and check it out. Again, uh, the information about uh, the books Brian has already put out and the links to those on Amazon will go up on the show notes. Uh, again, stay tuned for the upcoming release of the teacher's journey. Check out the teacher's journey podcast. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Dan. I, it was a lot of fun to get to talk to you tonight. What a great conversation. My thanks again to Brian for giving me that time and just having such an awesome awesome conversation and for sharing his thoughts about teacher mentorship and professional growth and taking that teacher's journey. Once again, even though Brian says that in the interview, he thought that the book would be released in June, it will be released Monday, May 14th. All the information will be in the show notes. Please visit leaderoflearning.com for a link to pre-order or purchase that book, The Teacher's Journey. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite way to listen. Also, if you like what you heard, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. And don't hesitate to leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen. For more information, head over to leaderoflearning.com. There you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, Ways to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Boxer. Sign up for our newsletter and even how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again. And remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning.